0: went to the country music hall of fame this weekend and there was a discussion that was moderated by peter cooper and i went with some friends and the discussion was about an album called the kingston Springs suite it was recorded over 40 years ago and it was produced by chris christopherson johnny cash jack clement and shel silverstein and the album was never released and it just now finally is seeing the light of day it was a good time and You know, I'm I'm gonna buy the album myself because it looked really interesting. But one of the things that was said was a songwriter named Jim Casey who was on the panel, and he was telling a story about Vince Matthews. And Vince Matthews was a songwriter, and they both made this album. But Vince Matthews was convinced that he'd ripped off the melody from a Guy Clark song, and he was really worried about it. He thought the the best thing to do would be to go to Guy Clark and tell him face-to-face. So he went to Guy, and he was really worried about it because, you know, Guy Clark's a pretty intimidating person. So he's expecting the worst. But he tells Guy, he says, I need to sing this song for you. I think I ripped off your melody and I, I wanted you to know about it from me. And Guy Clark sat back for a second and says, well, I guess you're going to have to play me that song. And then I'll tell you who I stole it from. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Jerry Lawson. Jerry's a singer, a producer, and arranger who lives in Arizona, and you probably know him best as the lead singer of The Persuasions. You can find out everything you need to know about Jerry at jerrylawson.biz. Amy and I went to see Jerry at the Station Inn here in Nashville. And we came away, it was just a great time. Had a really, really good time. But we came away with the thought that people just don't sing like this anymore. Jerry has such a great, great voice. You know, everything else is just second and third generation. Jerry just sounded wonderful. It was great to hear the real thing, you know, to see the real thing right in front of me. But my buddy Eric Brace hooked this up, and we went over to the Red Beat Records headquarters here in East Nashville, and Jerry was nice enough to sit down and share some stories. I encourage everyone to check out Jerry's new album, Just a Mortal Man. It's been out for about a month or so, and it's wonderful. And you can go to his website and hear some clips from that. And he's a very generous, gracious man, and it was an honor to get to sit down and listen to his stories. Here's Jerry Lawson.
1: You know, I, uh, um, as a kid, I, uh, I grew up in Apopka, Florida, which is like 12 miles north of Orlando. At the time, in my home, it was just oranges and fern. Either you worked in the nursery or you worked in orange groves. A company came in in the 60s. Uh, the cold came through and killed all the orange trees. And a company came in and bought all of the dead groves, and the company was called Disney World. <laughs> and it's so funny because all out of the place where Disney World is now, my uncle and I used to go hunting and fishing. As a kid, I sung in a church, New Hope Baptist Church. Uh, and I sung in my high school choir. I was uh, uh, I played in the band. I had a little trio. Uh, uh, so uh, my whole life. Uh, My whole young life was really singing. My uncle, he owned a juke joint, which was a beer garden. And uh, I would clean up the beer bottles uh, on Friday and Saturday nights. That's when he really made his money. My mother would cook the fried. Fish and the chicken. My uncle would go out on Lake Apopka, and he would fish for like three days. And he would catch all of these fish. He comes back and put the tub up ahead, a little place in the backyard where I clean the fish. That was my money to go to school. I clean the fish and clean up the beer bottles on the weekends. My uncle on uh, Sunday night he would give me a little piece of money, which at that time I going to school. I was a little rich kid, you know, going with ten dollars in my pocket, you know, (laughs) and. um, uh, at five years old in my church, my pastor, Reverend Bang I- said come on up here little boy sing my song and I would get up in church and I would start to sing in she, a green pasture so rich and so sweet my god leave his little children all alone and uh, <laughs> 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 and so uh, uh, I would look so sort of forward to going to church on Sunday because I know he would you know call me say. Uh, you know, uh, uh, who used to play my uncle's place all the time? It, he, very seldom he had live entertainment because we would have the jukebox. But every once in a while, three months ago, he'll have, uh, Jimmy Reed. He would come in, you got me running. Uh, 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 and, uh, that, that place would be jam-packed. I mean, jam-packed. 25 people. You- <laughs> 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 and the big pot belly stove took up most of the room, you know what I mean? But that place be jam packed. They see Jimmy Reed saying you got me running and hiding. Anyway, um, uh um you know, um my uncle, the beer garden, you couldn't sell whiskey. You know, you had to it was moonshine, you know. And it would my uncle wouldn't uh he had they would make it and we buried it in the backyard because the feds would come down and they had to poke us to stick in the ground to find out where it was. And my uncle, I didn't even know that he was in. He was in with the feds, he was in with everybody, you know, you had to be in. And they even knew where to look for it, you know, and where not to look for it. If you had paid them, then if he had paid them, then they didn't find it, you know, <laughs> right. I, I was just sing. I was just sing, sing, sing. And uh, I knew that I didn't want to stay in a pop. I used to sit out in, in the front porch and look up at the stars and I said, wow, boy, it's a big sky wonder where this is leading to, and I always said, you know, because I, I looked at the Ed Sullivan Show and I saw Elvis Presley and the, the Beatles, and I used to say, "Wow, man, this would be so great if I could ever do something like this." But I'm looking at Nat King Cole and Brook Benton, and I'm just wondering what kind of lives these guys really live, you know. And uh, so uh, when I graduated, I went to I had a friend of mine. He said he was going to New York, and I said, "Well, my mom's had just got me a little apartment and." Bought me a little TV and everything, and I said, listen, i give you this TV if you take me to New York. you know." (laughs) So so I traded him the TV, and he took me to New York. I thought he was, because he'd go to New York all the time, and I thought that he was going to take me to New York and put me up and everything. But he took me to New York and put me out at 4 o'clock in the morning on Fulton Street and uh, Nostrand Avenue. He said, well, you're in New York now. This is Brooklyn. Adios you know and i said adios and i think i had like 4 dollars or something in my pocket and i bought me a little hot dog and i was broke and uh i had to call my mother and tell her you know she said boy you don't want me to get my hands on you you know you've been out of this house i mean al- almost 2 days i've been looking for you all over my pocket and i can't find you wait to- you are? no i'm not going to say you just and she said where are you now and i said well i'm in new york she said, New York. Oh, boy. Oh, you're going to. And so um, she said, well, since you're in New York, where are you? I said, I'm on Fulton and Austin. I said, Mom, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I ain't got no money. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know where to do. She said, well, if you don't know it, listen, where are you? Fulton and in... She said, Hancock Street is two blocks away. You got an uncle that live. His name is PC. Go and ring his bell. I'm going to call him now and tell him that. So she called him, and when I got around the corner, sure enough, he was out on the stoop waiting for me. And he said, boy, you your mom just called. She is hot, you know. And so um, I said, well, listen, uh, what are we going to he said, well, the only thing I can do is give you a train fare and put you back on the on the train and send you back to, to Florida, you know. So um, two days he... Got the train fare and he sent me back to Florida and everything. And uh, I looked at my mom's and she said, "Well, you know, I thought about it. And uh, if you want to go to New York, you know, I guess we'll sit and talk about it and uh, we'll fix it up so you can go to New York." Well, I went back to New York and my mom's came up. And little did I know that she knew a lot of people in Brooklyn. You know, she was she traveled a lot and she hooked me up. She got me a nice little kitchenette and sucked the fixed it up and everything, and thus started my little life in in New York. Believe it or not, I started looking for a job, and, um, you know, I started singing. And Once again here, I'm singing like I did in Florida, uh, singing on the bus and singing on the, the subway and singing outside of my apartment, and a guy heard me singing in the park in New York. His name was Beatrice Bess. He said, listen, he said, man, I sing with a group called The Shufflers. He said, we sure would like to have you in our group. And so I said, well, you know, right now I'm looking for a job. And he said, I could, you know, I could hook you up with a job. He said, because I'm working at a printing press company that print album covers. I said, album covers? He said, yeah. And so he he hooked me up with a job, and um, I went in and started printing these album covers. And I was printing album covers that come out with Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra. I had to put the spine on the back so the numbers would come up right, you know, and make sure I lined it up right. And the powder would come out in the, so the ink wouldn't stick and everything. And so I worked there for about a year or so. The, working at this place and singing with this guy, his group was called The Shufflers. We had a pretty good sound. He said, listen, we're gonna go and try out, they're having a talent show at the Breed Theater. And so we went to the Brevoort there and we tried out for the singing and we won the first prize and the second time we went there and I started doing the James Brown you know because I was from the south and I grew up doing James Brown dance I was a little dancer and um, at this uh, talent show I just kept doing this split and I kept turning around and the audience was just laughing and jumping up and down little did I know that it was laughing because I had split my pants <laughs> <laughs> So we won, we won then And, um, you know, I'm going to just jump a little bit And I I found out a friend of mine He took me to this place And I went to this place And I could pay two dollars Stay all day And I got to watch all of the great entertainers That I would listen to on the radio When I was in Florida I used to listen to a radio station out of Nashville It was called Randy Record Mart and they would play all of these records, and I would just say, my God, the Lord Price and the Chuck Berry and the, the Little Richards and the Clovers, and, uh, and uh, I would just listen. And I went to this place in New York, and I could pay $2 and sit all day and see Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, and the place was the Apollo Theater. I couldn't even believe it. And I would go there. Anytime i get loose money, that's where I was. You would see me at the Apollo Theater. Well, the Shufflers, we graduated from the Brevoid Theater Talent Show to Wednesday night at the Apollo, big-time talent show. And we went there, and we were singing Jesse Belvin's, Someone really love you, guess who? Uh, and I would come in in the middle, Open up your heart, hope that you'll see someone. And i get down on my knees and everything, and we won seven weeks straight. Well, the group broke up over the twenty five dollars that they would give us. <laughs> they, they wanted to say, you got five dollars last week, well you to get the ten dollars, you supposed to get seven and so that that's what the shuffles broke up And
0: um It's worth throwing in that the uh the Apollo has a reputation as being a really difficult crowd. Oh, it was. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, if you if you win at Apollo, you was you was big time. Yeah. You know, it, 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 when we won the first time, we thought we was professionals. I mean, you know, I mean to win at Apollo and to win seven weeks straight—that's big. That was big. And we, in fact, when we would go back, all of the singers they said, "Daddy, are. You know, and that that meant that we were really good. You know, you go in the basement and you practice. Well, when we went back the third time, we didn't even have to practice. You know, the guy would say, "You guys just stand over here." You know, these are the guys you got to be. I remember the night that uh, that we lost. Oh, we were so disappointed. You know, I think a girl from um, from South Carolina. She sang like Aretha Franklin. She tore the roof off the house. That the ended our our reign. You know? You know, at that time, in Brooklyn, any five guys, in New York, any five guys on the corner was called unlawful assembly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and anywhere we go, we would, we would, we would, we would get a crowd. You know, I mean, we'd have twenty-five, thirty people there. We started singing, uh whole oh, world is a stage, everybody." And we had five-part harmony to that. I just can't work no longer. And boy, we came to find out that uh, people would gather around, and the cops would say, "Hey, no, ain't no unlawful. You guys are keeping the peace." You know, sing, sing. And was walking down the street, and a guy came out of a storefront. He said, you guys look like you're looking for work. You want to come in? And so we went in, and the company was called the Restoration Corporation. Thus started a career. You know, God worked in mysterious ways. We worked in the Restoration Corporation. Little did we know that the president of that corporation, his name was Mr. Frank Thomas, and he was uh, working with, the Kennedy Foundation, the Astors, uh, they were big time. Well, we was lo- lo- local guys and we started, the guy said that, uh, he said, well, what you guys gonna do, we're gonna start you doing interviews. And uh, what you're gonna be is a surveyor. We said, man, this is cool, you know? I'm doing, working in the department store to surveying. You know, first thing came to our mind was out on the street looking through this little telescope down the street surveying, you know, (laughs) because that's what we thought we were going to be doing. So I wonder how much they're going to pay us to survey. You ever surveyed? No, I ain't never even looked through one of those things. Little did we know that surveying meant a pile of paper and going from door to door asking a million questions. (laughs) (laughs) The president of the company found out that we had a group and we called our group the persuasions he said listen he said i'm having a party at my house i'm having some people over and i'd like to like for them to hear you guys sing a couple of songs so we went to the party and we saw a couple of songs we didn't even know that the kennedys was gonna be there the Astors, just jones big time people you know and um we started singing at these parties for the Kennedys, and we started being invited to all of the parties. Every time uh, they would have a uh, big function, they would invite the persuasions. Uh, we went from uh, uh, our dungarees to tuxedos, you know, and uh, we found ourselves, we got to get cleaned up for this. This is a party over at Third Street. Then uh, 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 Martha's Vineyard, they would fly us up on the little jet planes, and we was, you know, getting big time anyway. talent show another talent show in Jersey City at the State Theater and they had like 14 a cappella groups on that show and we were part of the the performance and we turned the house out because we had a different style of singing a cappella. Mostly all the groups were singing the old style. Gloria, it's not Sherry. And we came out. If it's love that you're running from, there's no hiding place. You can't run. You can't, you can't run. And everybody started jumping and jumping. And so we won. And the, the, some of the groups say, Oh man, you guys went out and got professionals. You know, these ain't a cappella singers, you know, because we had a different style of a cappella. And David Dashiev he said, man, this is going to be great. We recorded. We didn't know that they recorded that part of the show, the live part. And uh, he said, I got a fellow, a friend of mine in California. I want want to hear you guys. So he called his friend over the phone, and uh, we sung I Can't Work No Longer for his friend over the phone and the friend that was in California on the phone was Frank Zappa. Yeah. Frank flew us out to California and on that the first album on Straight which is was Frank's label, the one side was that live performance at the State Theater which we didn't know they recorded and the other side was recorded at Frank's uh, studio in in California.
0: What did you guys think of Frank Zappa when you first met him? What was he like? We, I, I'd never heard of Frank Zappa.
1: You know, I've never heard of his music. I would never heard of Frank Zappa. <laughs> little, yeah, well, little did I know how big Frank was. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to one of the greats of, you know, and uh, we went out and we were saying, uh, who is Frank Zappa? You know, because I mean, all I've heard was the Drifters, you know, yeah. and so the guy said, you know, he sings with a group called the Mother's Invention. And they sang a lot of doo and stuff like that. And so I think this is why Frank fell in love with our harmony, you know, because he heard this. And he was such a genius that he heard something that we didn't even know anything about, what he was listening to, because he was someplace else, you know, out there, you know, head-wise. He was way out there. And so uh, 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 we recorded, and Frank took us on tour to open for him. In fact, we opened uh here in the South at Virginia Beach. And what a show. Acapella and Frank Zappa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or these these would to be different audiences than what you played.
1: Oh, it was it was it was it was it was, it was unbelievable. It, I mean, uh, here we opened for Frank Zappa, you know, the audience loved the contrast. And from that uh, uh we could say Frank really started our career as far as acapella singers, because we went on tour then with Teaching John. And uh, in fact, uh, we sung at a place in New York called The Better End. Little did we know in the audience was Liza Minnelli, and she took us on tour, our first tour ever. She took us on tour. She was playing 13 states in the South, and we opened for Miss L- Minnelli. Can you imagine five black guys opening for Liza Minnelli? She's got 87 pieces, dancing guys, dancing girls, kicking up the heels. And here's five black guys singing acapella, which the world had never, ever even heard of, you know? And it's just to show you how God worked in mysterious ways. It caught on. Yeah. Oh, she was, she, well, i tell you one story, you know, um, she got on the plane when we got at uh, LaGuardia. Uh, she had a private jet out there, and she got on the plane, and she said, where are the persuasions? She said, uh, where are the persuasions? And uh, I said, we're here. We was in the back of the plane. And she said, uh what are you guys? Why are you back there? You know, force of habit. You know, what I mean, <laughs> you know, the plane where you guys automatically went to the back of the plane, and I think she was insulted a bit by us, and she said, "No, no, 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 no." this plane. So she put us up in the front of the plane and in the middle of the plane, all the, plane. she assigned seats. This is your seat from now on. When we're on this tour, Jerry, you in A1, Joe, you're in three, two and everything. So this was, and now we'll forget when we got to Arkansas, we got off the plane in Arkansas and she, there was her, her limousine driver. He had pulled up and uh, he was a black guy and he pulled up for the, the, the for Miss Manelli, And well, we got off the plane first, and uh, we was walking. Our bus was behind the limousine, and we was walking toward the limousine and its black drop. He said, "No, no, no, no! This is for Miss Manelli. This is for Miss Manelli." And what well, we was wasn't going to get into the limousine because we had, you know, traveled with her before. And uh, little did he know, the limousines wasn't really for Miss Manelli. She had two dogs, and the dogs was that—that's what he was carrying. <laughs> He he, he was driving the dogs. She was on the bus with us. (laughs) And and so the dogs ran because they know the limousine was theirs. You know, he had the door open and everything, and the dogs ran and jumped in the limousine, and she went on by and got on the bus with us. When we first came out, we was playing a place in Los Angeles. It was called Ash Grove. We was opening act for Bodacious, Boogerilla and Muddy Waters. I said, my God, I'm opening for Muddy Waters. You know, I, I really didn't hit the big time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got there. We were there for like um, uh, two weeks. And we were there. Boy, that place was jam-packed. I first, I first got to meet Jim Brown. He was there and the a football, play, football player. Yeah. And uh, they were coming out to see Muddy, you know. And little did I know that uh, we were big time people. We was on the, you know, we were opening for Muddy Water. So our name had came up in the, because in the business at the time, you know, when you look at the Billboard magazine, they look through there and they say the opening act is you know, for Muddy Waters is the Persuasions. Who is the Persuasions? These are the guys that sing a cappella. Well, our name had started moving around in the business, and that was one of the first guys that we opened for was Muddy Waters.
0: What did you think of uh, Jim Brown? He seems like he would be a very intimidating man. To well, read. you know,
1: what happened was with Mr. Brown, with Jim
0: Brown, uh, we was
1: singing in the car at the time. All the guys was taking a little break, and um, somebody— went out in the alley and uh, start to urinate. And I said, hey, stop peeing in that alley. Oh nasty, blah blah and this guy zipped up his pants and he came over to the car. He never did stop getting big. The most the closer he got to the to the car, the bigger he got. And he said, What you say, boy? And I rolled down the window. and it was Jim Brown. I said you can pee, you can pee any way you want to. <laughs> my God. Jim Brown, you know? And, and man, boy. I said, Wow, you boy, you big, man. You know? Yeah. What happened was that we we was with um, David Dashieff and Eric Malamud, they was at Capitol Records, and they got us an agent. William Morris was our agent. And when we got with William Morris, we started going on tours with all of these big names. And uh, uh, one of the names was Stevie Wonder. And we went on tour with Stevie. We opened for him a few times. And then we got a call saying that Stevie was recording in Los Angeles and he wanted the persuasions to come and record on his album. Wow, that was heavy, you know. In Los Angeles at the hotel, Stevie was next door to me and uh, I was frying some chicken one night in in the hotel room and, uh, Stevie, you want this? No, 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 I'm vegetarian, man, I'm vegetarian. You know, so (laughs) we went over to record and Stevie didn't have to be there. And we came back, uh, half of my chicken was gone, you know. And so, and, you know, he was sitting there rocking on the bed and put his head like this, you know. I said, what was my chicken? Yeah, I told you, I'm a vegetarian. Well, he couldn't see that. The chicken bones was up under the bed. He had them kick the chicken bones up under the bed. He's And then he came out. He said, boy, you can fry some chicken, man, you know. And so um, uh, we got to record with him. We got to tour with him. In fact, we started the opening for... A lot of Motown acts. We opened for Stevie. We opened for Gladys Knight, and uh, I see you played uh, with Ray Charles. Also, oh, we Ray. played. lot. Oh, we opened a lot with Ray. We opened a lot. You know, and and when we start opening for that, that's when we really started thinking that we was really professional singers. You know, and I remember telling my mother. You know, I said to my mother, I said, "Mom, I said you're not going to believe this. I said I, I'm opening for Ray Charles. I'm opening for." Stevie Wonder I'm opening for Liza Minnelli and uh, uh, she said wow this, this, and I said I'm opening for the five blind boys she said, the five blind boys I said yeah. <laughs> oh y'all done made it now <laughs> yeah, she said she said y'all done made it now you know Liza Minnelli it wasn't nothing to the five blind boys to so my mother you know I, I never will forget Some of the people that I've met in show business, uh, we was on Johnny Carson. Uh, I was on there with Zha Gabor. I got to meet Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, sitting in the dressing room with Ella, you Uh know, just talking and um, going on tour with B.B. King and uh, having uh, breakfast with Ike Turner and uh, on the road with the Stapler Singers and, uh, you know, uh, on the bus, because a lot of times, especially in New York, you would travel from Boston to Washington on the bus, you know, they would have a bus for us in the morning for the next gig, which we played the State Theater, then we played New York, then we would play uh, the Uptown in Philadelphia, then you go to Washington. You know, it was sort of like the circuit that you played at that time. And we was on the bus with the Marvelettes and uh, you know it's just on and on and on, which was such a great time. Del- Delphonic's, and uh, you find out that it was just so just great guys, and everything was just a lot of fun at that time. I often say that uh, if you miss that part of show business, you really missed a very special part of being in the business, you know, meeting Rufus Thomas, uh, 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 Carmen McRae, Yubi Blake, uh, um, um, Carla Thomas, uh, Lord Price, um, uh, Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson. I mean, the spinners, um, uh, the temptation, just meeting these guys and being on tour with them, that was very special to me. You know, I was in a place, uh, going back to Apopka, Florida, 12 years old, and I heard that B.B. King was going to be playing at this place in Eatonville called uh, Club Eaton. And so I went to this place. I dressed up like a a man, you know, put a a Pamela cigarette in my hand and had my trench coat over my arm so I could get in. And so um, I saw this bus in the back of the club, and I went back there because I was interested in the singers and I went back and I saw this light on the bus and I saw this light shining down on some music and I saw this ring and on the ring it just said B.B. King and I said oh my god that's him oh my god that's him oh my god and I said Mr. King he said hey hey hey, boy I said yes Mr. King he said yeah I'm B.B. He said, I said, well, I came down to, 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 to hear you sing. He said, well, he said, how old are you? I said, 15. He said, you ain't no 15. I said, well, I'm really 12. He said, they ain't going to let you in there. They serve liquor, you know. And he said, well, maybe they'll let you in the kitchen. And he told him to let me in the kitchen. So I stood at the kitchen and I watched him perform. You know, I said again and I said again, God work in mysterious ways. 25, 20 years later, here I am opening for B.B. King. I'm sitting in the dressing room, and I say, you know what? Mr. King, you're not going to believe this. I first met you at a place 12 years old in Florida, and um, uh, I was... I said, I know you. He said, oh, I remember that, you know, which he didn't, you know. And uh, and I explained to him the story and everything. And I said, what an honor. Here I am sitting in the dressing room with you. Well, did I know I was going to be having breakfast with him? Because after that, we went on tour quite a bit, you know, and I got to meet him just sort
0: of, you know, over some steak and eggs. I really appreciate you taking the time well, thank to chat you. with me. Thank you. It's beautiful. To get Otis, to this. Thank you
1: very, very much. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you.
0: I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Jerry for meeting up with me at Red Beat Records headquarters here in East Nashville. You can find out everything you need to know about Jerry at jerrylawson.biz. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put it in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out, but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment, subscribe while you're there, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at Otis I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.